Hello, hello, this is Postgres FM, episode number 54, and today is my turn to announce the title, although like we, we mixed everything uh, after vacation, so M- Michael chose this topic, I wouldn't do it, but I need to announce it, connection pullers. Yeah, well I think this is a really important topic for Postgres in general. Of so I'm keen to talk about it, but I'm, uh, I also am aware that I need to get back into my reputation of picking topics that you find boring. So that's, that was my main goal here. It's not as boring as others. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's not only important to Postgres, it's also important to any database system, and it's also important to how applications work with a database system. Yeah, so should we talk a little bit about why first before getting into some of the details? Well, I think today we don't need it because uh, we have application pullers on application side. Yeah, so the question is, why do we need something on the Postgres side in addition? And actually, I know... Let's we start often... from application side. Why do, we yeah. need, why do we need it on there? Because uh, to create connection is very expensive. Yeah, there's a few different types of overhead, aren't there? You know, in terms of latency, in terms of server resources... And yeah, in combination, I guess at the, at the beginning, you could argue you don't. If you only have a few users, maybe five users of your little application. If you have just 100 users, for example. Yeah. Working simultaneously. Then you don't need anything. No application pooler, you don't need a database pooler. Continue happily with your simple setup uh, and probably don't do, do anything. If you have 100 users and 90 of them have very slow connection, for example, uh, some internet in California and uh, mm-hmm. they work remote like from running application on their home internet connecting to your database somewhere and uh, you have only like eight cores probably you already need pitch bouncer or something good point actually slow queries as well even if it's um, even if even if it's not necessarily slow connection but really long running queries is an interesting point as well but yeah in fact, actually, worth mentioning, a lot of application frameworks come with poolers by default, right? So even if you don't right. do anything, there's a chance that you're using one. Uh, right. In- because they know Postgres is slow, right? <laughs> I mean, creation connection is slow, not Postgres is slow. I, 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 let, me, like, let me apologize. Postgres is very fast, but connection creation is slow. Yeah, and until recently the overhead of each connection was relatively high in terms of... Until the post was 14, right? Yeah, so is there a little bit of a... What's the advice, what's the standard before that version and a different standard afterwards? Does does it just change the threshold? Very you like, need? Yeah, like some kind of rule. You, you know, take your number, of course, and multiply by 2, 3, 4, 5, and this, this should be your max connections. Don't go about it. For example, if you have an Intel server with 96 cores or 120 something, 28 cores, probably you shouldn't go bef- be, uh, above uh, 500. But it was before Postgres 14, which, like Postgres 14, now has improved work with snapshots and uh, connection scalability, and probably you can go. Well, I, I saw before people went to. 1,000, 2,000, I saw 3,000 with servers, like 96 cores. I told them, no, it's, it doesn't feel good. They said, but we are fine. I said, okay, let's let's just run PGBench in its uh, silly default behavior 
stress testing when it tries to max out and consume all resources. And if you have additional thousand idle connections, you will see how overhead affects you. And it's easy, it's easy test. You see run PG bench CTPS latencies. In this case, TPS, usually the main metric. And then additional thousand connections, and you see like 20-30% penalty. I don't remember details, but it was like something like that. So this is your pr price you're paying constantly. You make your ser server do additional work, could avoid. And interesting that in that particular case, they resisted uh, installing Pitch Bouncer because they also said we have a Java application, we have connection pool that was something interesting name. I don't remember. It was an interesting name. There is a pooler on Java side, on Java application side, so we don't need it. But the you know the problem, right? Not, not only if your application works very far and the connection is slow. This is one of the cases. But usually in a good project, this is not a problem. Usually application code is quite, at least in the same region uh, as your database. But the problem is different. Uh, when they scale stateless nodes, they add more and more nodes and forget to... Okay, they say, we can scale. Let's uh, multiply number of application nodes by two. But they don't decrease uh, pool sizes by two. So more idle connections are created. Because active connections don't change when they just add nodes, right? They, Not immediately, we, no, yeah. Yeah. Well, they can grow over time, or if <laughs> there's some marketing campaign, they can spike, of course. Load can spike, but if they just add more application nodes with the same usage in terms of users yeah. doing some work, asking for database to do some work, this scalability efforts for those who are responsible for application nodes lead to significant increase in number of idle connections. And this is how you can end up uh, having 2,000 connections on Postgres. And then you try to convince them to decrease pools. They also resist, like we, it doesn't feel safe for us. And like, okay, this is time when, when we probably need connection pooler on database side. Yeah, awesome. So you've already mentioned PG Bouncer. That, from my experience, that feels like very much the de facto standard. And it has been for a long time. I actually looked it up. Do you know which year it was first released in? Well, I can suspect it was around 2000, probably six, seven or so. Yeah, great guess. Right? Uh, 2007, yeah. that's the date I saw. I remember Asko Oya and Marco Kreen from, maybe I, I pronounced it wrong. I invited them to conference in 2007 or eight. The developers wow. of SkyTools and so on, because of like yeah. Sky, Skype was hot in terms of Postgres usage at that time, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it was like big company with goals like we need scalability to billion yeah. users. So it was impressive. Not only PG Bouncer, but of course PG Bouncer is probably the most successful product they created. Yeah, and still to this day, pretty much the standard. It does seem though in recent years we've had a, a proliferation, hard word to say, of other tools. There is a new generation of pullers. It's related to many reasons, and one of the reasons is PG Bouncer became true Postgres product. It can pass five years uh, if you have major functionality proposed. And uh, so, <laughs> well, I guess to defend it a tiny bit, I feel like PG Bouncer is a similar stability level to Postgres. I feel like issues are as rare, and if you need something that is safe that has been battle tested for years 
but PG Bouncer for me is still the number one choice. Now, if you, there are obviously newer ones that people are testing in very high, but well, not necessarily testing, but have developed for themselves in extremely high throughput environments that are clearly working for their case. But if I needed one tomorrow and didn't have the resources to go and test all the others properly, I would still pick PG Mouncer myself. And which mode you would put it on? Oh, so this is, okay, so let's get into the, because it's not free, right? There are downsides to having a puller. No, maybe maybe let's mention, like we discussed this, like there's new generation, let's mention some names. Yeah, okay, right? great. Because first I think in this generation was Odyssey from Yandex team. It was several years ago, and I know how exactly they decided to create it. It's also written in C, and the idea was our pull requests are not accepted fast enough in PG Bouncer, and also some things we would do differently. They, I think they use threads, because PG Bouncer is, is very similar to Postgres process. Yeah. And uh, I personally bumped into the issue of single CPU usage not once, and it's very painful. You don't expect it if you don't monitor uh, this single process saturation risks. Uh, usually it's like after you passed like 10,000 TPS on single node, maybe 15,000. Single PG bouncer process is not enough. And at that time, SO reuse port feature wasn't supported by PG bouncer, so you need to run PG bouncer on different ports, and then you need to teach your applications to load balance, basically. Or you need to put, some people put HA proxy, for example, as additional layer. Mm -hmm. it's like everything sounds not good. SO, SO reuse port, it's a very good feature. You know it, right? No, but it makes sense. So SO reuse port, it's a Linux feature which allows multiple processors to listen to the same port. So, a few years ago, finally, PG Bouncer started to support it, and now you can just run multiple PG Bouncers configured to listen the same port, and Linux will decide how to balance it. Nice. So, so you can go beyond 10,000, 20,000 TPS, and, and more and more, and utilize all cores you want to utilize. If you run PG Bouncer on the same machine, you, of course, take some resources from Postgres. This is also an interesting topic. We should probably probably touch it, uh, where to run it. Because when we say closer to Postgres, it might be on the same machine or on different machine. A lot of what I hear is that putting on a different machine is smart as long as it's close to the space. Some people say we lack uh, structure in our podcast. Uh, and <laughs> I, I now see how, why, right? Because we jump, jump, jump. Well, let's return to this topic as well. But uh, mentioning new players... Odyssey, right? It's quite interesting. It has interesting mm -hmm. features, really interesting features. So, like, I remember they presented it on at PGCon a few years ago and so on. And it's also quite battle-tested in, I think, thousands of databases already. But I saw also complaints about some bugs. You are right. Uh, Puller should, should be very reliable. It's like a network. If some issue happens, it affects everything, and it's a global incident. But I think uh, in many cases, Odyssey already battle-proven, polished, and so on. This I cannot say about new players. I, like, I think you need several years of active usage. And of course, we have chicken versus egg problem, because if people don't trust, they don't use, but they need to use to start trusting. But, uh, okay, so new players are PGCAT, right? Yeah, so a really good blog post from the team at Instacart about adopting PGCAT. Yeah. So that's a, a huge deployment using it. So I'll, I'll link that one up as well. And uh, it's written in Rust, if I'm not mistaken. 
projects. So it's interesting. And is that from the team at PostgreSQL? Right. Yeah. Great. And uh, I especially like like I never used it yet, but it's my quite short to do to try when I finally have free time, uh, or probably I will try to use it in some projects I have. Why is it in that list? Because in February I created issue in their GitHub repository with idea. So I, I, I've noticed these guys implement features very fast, developing very quickly. Impossible for, for, for example, PG Bouncer, absolutely impossible. It will take a few years. So I asked them, like, we in Postgres community, we lack good feature mirroring. So we want, from connection pooler, from this middleware, we want to receive requests to send it to the main server and uh, pass back the result but additionally send it to another server and ignore responses. It's a very good thing to, for testing. And the key, besides reliability, the key metric for me for any connection pooling software is latency overhead. And it should be tested in proper way, so like in my favorite way. Instead of running pgbench in default mode when it tries to maximize everything, you try to limit TPS, to have same numbers of CPU usage and all resource usage, for example, 25% up to 50% CPU usage, normal case for some loaded uh, production, for example. And then you just compare latencies uh, you have with one middleware, one pooler, and another pooler. Ideally, a pooler should add very small latency, like below one millisecond. One millisecond is already quite big latency. Overhead, I mean. Especially on OLTP, yeah, which is, I guess, right. what we're mostly talking about, yeah. Right. So I wonder with mirroring what will happen. It's very interesting, and I just don't have capacity right now, but I'm very curious, and I think this is a super interesting feature. So they implemented it, like, in a month. Yeah. Already merged, already there, but I haven't tested it. If if anyone needs similar functionality, because it, it can give you similar to, like, like GIN brew deployments or realistic testing next to production you create, database like clone in like primary and uh, you can just promote it at some point and, and the same, at the same time you start mirroring some queries will fail but it doesn't matter if you have a lot of queries uh, like big numbers this testing will be much better than attempts to replay logs or something yeah when you said it was super interesting i thought you were trying to segue to the other the other one that popped up recently being supervisor <laughs> It should be a super bouncer, but it's somehow called supervisor. Yeah. Supervisor means probably it. I don't know. Like I, this, this name I would use like for uh, things like Patroni, for example. I think that's actually part of their roadmap. Ah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's very ambitious, and it's written in Elixir, right? Yeah, and it also have Crunchy Proxy and the PG Agro. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. It looked like Crunchy Proxy hadn't been worked. It was. Last I saw it was like a beta from 2017 or something. Abandoned? Maybe. I never touched, never tried. I don't know. I tried Odyssey. I'm going to try PGK definitely. And I I use a lot of PG Bouncer. Ah, also there is RDS Proxy, but we are not going to discuss proprietary software on this podcast, right? <laughs> Unless it's a special event. I'm not sure I have it. But RDS Proxy, they have interesting feature. Like we need to look at proprietary things sometimes because it can give you insights if you develop your own tool. It has super interesting feature. So when they started to develop, I mean AWS, RDS, they started to develop for Aurora global database, multi-region setup. 
secondary region is read-only, right? And you put RDS proxy there, and local connections are constantly uh, like just reading. But what if they want writes? Our primary is in a different region. What to do? So RDS proxy can receive write, then go to primary instead, perform this write, wait until this write is propagated to local standby server, and then read from it. Maybe not from it. I, I don't. I may be mixing some details, but it's very interesting concept of like inverted load balancing. Instead of saying, "Oh, this is a write. Let's go to that node." No, no, no. We go to to our node always, but there we have some magic to create write and wait until it propagates. Interesting concept. Yeah, indeed. So I was going to ask you a question around this. Do you know like why are there so many of these projects? They seem to all have similar goals, right? Like. We want something that PG Bouncer doesn't support. We've got a couple of extra requirements. Why not work together? Because Cathedral versus Bazaar is usual open source. It's normal for open source to have many, many, many competing attempts because people have different views. If it mm-hmm. was a single corporation, of course, it, it, it would immediately, like, unless uh, sometimes the competition is provoked inside corporations as well, like two teams competing, but not 10 teams competing, right? But in, usually in case of corporation, cathedral model, we have a roadmap, name already defined, approved by management, and so on. Here we have many teams with different views, different needs, and trying to fulfill these needs. I think it's similar to what we had with uh, auto-failover and backups, backup tools. A few, few leaders will survive and probably remain, I think. Yeah. I've not been around long enough to know that there were loads of different backup options. What about auto failover? What yeah, about true, application actually, yeah. systems before application went to Postgres 9.0? It was a, it was opinion of Postgres developers that replication should be outside always. Replication, can you imagine? Yeah. So we had Sloney, then the same Skype guys created Londeste. And also I, I used yeah. both and uh, kind of painful. Also Bucardo and many others. And then it went to core. Right. A backup system is slightly different, but we, ha- we now have obvious leaders, Wolji and PG Backrest. And still Barman. Barman, yes, many others, yes, but leaders are these two. Barman is much less in terms of popularity, in my opinion, at least around but, me. I, of course, am biased. Well, I see, most, I see most using Backrest still. Maybe Backrest is more popular, maybe, but I have a lot of Wolji cases as yeah. well. And Wall-E already, I think, out of consideration, and some others also. like. And uh, about uh, autofiller, also autofiller should be outside of Postgres. Okay, it's still outside. And we have obvious leader, Patroni, and many attempts to change it. But in this case, I think leader is like one big leader, and, and that's it. <laughs> so here I also expect we have a long-term leader, PG Bouncer, but uh, mm-hmm. many attempts to mm, compete. And these attempts are from latest years, and I'm, I'm not sure what will be the result because, of course, and they also have pressure on PG Bouncer as well. Because I, I, I observe it very closely. Well, so. uh, yeah, you sent me one of you sent me a pull request that seems to be making progress. So it, there, there seem to be some signs that PG Bouncer may speed up a little bit or may get some of these improvements and maybe as it does get some of them prepare statements for yeah for transaction mode right yeah for exactly yeah for transaction mode yeah this is where this is where we forked off right 
transaction mode's the default, right? And it's what most people use in, as far as I've seen. Honestly, I don't remember default. I know, like, let's start with session mode because it's easier. It's the simplest mode. Like, you hold your, you have your session, you're always connected to the same backend. Postgres. Backend means Postgres process through uh, this puller, and it never changes. Context never changes and so on. Good. Then you say, I'm going to disconnect. Okay. It's also beneficial, by the way. You know why, right? Or to fight well, with yeah, idle I... connections, for example. Pardon me? To fight with idle connections, for example. So we still, like, we don't need to keep a lot of idle connections to, to database. We disconnect faster if not needed, for example. Yeah, but the, the benefit of the session, I mean, obviously it has more overhead, but I always thought the benefit was you get the session level features like prepared statements. Right, but uh, prepared statements can be implemented for transaction mode as well. Right, so but historically haven't been in pull yeah. well, There are already three pull requests in PGBounce repository, so hopefully it will be soon there. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but I think OGCI supports it. I might be mistaken. I remember discussions, but I don't I think know. At least, yeah, I think at least one of them was started partly to support. Like That was one of the main features they wanted. Um, but I can't remember which one. So transaction mode is the best. Why? Because we can reuse backend to do something, some other, to serve some other requests, some other transactions between transactions in the same session. So you connect it, one transaction happens on one backend, Postgres backend, then we have some inactivity, for example. It's not a, a idle transaction, it's an idle session. I mean, it's regular idle. We went somewhere to do something, like an mm -hmm. application code or something else. And during this process, backend can be used by other sessions, by other transactions. So it's, we can, how it's called, multiplexing or something. So like it's, the backends remain not busy less time. They are most time busy in this case. Like it's yeah, so more efficient. High utilization of our, of our cores, of our resources. Right, right. And uh, statement mode is uh, kind of strange because you can switch to different backend and sign a single transaction and it's like doesn't sound too well. Well, it's in some cases it probably will suit, but in general it's, it's not safe. Yeah, I've not seen a project that's used it. I suspect there is a use case. But just, to, yeah. just for completeness, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it exists. Right. So transaction mode is what we usually want to for best efficiency, but in some cases session mode also makes some sense. Yeah. For example, also PitchBouncer is responsible for working with slow clients because Postgres already generated result. We shouldn't keep Postgres backend busy just while we transfer data. It's better to transfer it from PitchBouncer and backend can do some something else or just not, not do it all or, or anything. Or be ready at least, be available. Right. So, yeah, transaction mode. And prepared statements. It, it, it's like the sweet spot uh, many people want. Because prepared yeah. statements, of course, help with uh, performance as well. I saw a really good write-up recently from JP Camera. They felt that they've often read, oh, if you get to a certain number of connections, you should just use PG Bouncer. And, this, and the advice was quite limited or only very, like, it, it said it as if there were no downsides and they've gone through a very thorough blog post of all of the downsides that they've come across and I'll share that in the show notes. What do you remember among do... downsides? What's interesting? 
Well, I think these ones were the biggest. Let's have a quick look. Lock timeouts, statement timeouts. Application um, name usually challenging because I remember some I, from old days. I remember PGBouncer hides application name and IP address or something like that. Like you need to do special tricks to keep it. But in general, yeah. pros outweigh cons if yeah. you have a lot of TPS. But like one of the good points they made is something I think you've often talked about is having timeouts for things. So in general, you time out things very quickly, but then you can override it from time to time for maintenance tasks. But if you've already set that, you can't override anymore if you're in transaction mode, you, unless you connect around the pooler. So either if you want to go through PG Bouncer, you can no longer use like set a longer timeout for this maintenance operation. So I think that was a really good point that I hadn't seen yeah. mentioned elsewhere. Yeah, but also uh, features like, for example, good feature is to <laughs> good feature is that PG Bouncer can give you understanding how many QPS you have and the average latencies because Postgres doesn't have it in internal statistics. It's strange, but only TPS and that's it. Even latencies are not recorded if you, unless you deal with PG start statements, which is uh, limited because it has max number of queries, right? But PG Bouncer constantly writing it to logs. TPS, QPS, latencies, and also it has internal statistics. It's implemented in an interesting way. It's like you can connect with psql to it and say show stats, show show help, show everything, show servers, clients, and so on. And uh, when you want to join it, <laughs> I, I want, for example, to take one information to join with something else. There is no SQL there, only show commands. So you, usually you need to export it to CSV and then to import to normal Postgres and then to work with it. But uh, there you also can find QPS, TPS and, and latencies and this is very good to monitor. Stupid so, question, but one thing that's sprung to mind is does that also then measure failed? Like, you know, when you talk about PG stat statements, you only get successful queries, right? You yeah, don't that's get... a good question. I don't know, actually. So from PG Bouncer point of view, some query which was cancelled, failed, it still produced an error. It still, if it consumed like a second of time, it still should be, it should contribute to averages, right? I think it should count it, but it's worth checking. I don't know. Good, very good question, actually. Last night. I just remember I was curious, like, well, how might, okay, mm -hmm. we have this TPS, we can see it from PGStar database, but how many QPS, like, on, on average, how many queries are in one transaction? And mm -hmm. I usually usually found myself checking PageBouncer logs for this information to understand the, our workload. So this is this is benefit, but also post resume. I think it's undervalued functionality, and I see other pullers also plan to implement it. So you can, for example, restart your server, perform a minor upgrade without downtime at all. You can issue pause. By the way, it's tricky to issue pause. Because when you issue pause to page bouncer, what it does, it says, first of all, no more new, all new incoming requests to run some query uh, should wait. And it starts waiting itself uh, all ongoing queries to complete. And I feel it lacks some additional options because I don't want to wait forever. What if a query lasts an hour? Yeah. Right. Well, of course we have set time out, but again. maybe yeah. maybe we don't, and so so yeah. I would I would like to wait, but not more some number of seconds. 
like give it a give it a chance to complete give ongoing queries some chance to complete for example but no no more like two seconds three seconds or so because the others already waiting right yeah okay this page bouncer cannot do but you can do it yourself you can uh, terminate all long-running queries in parallel and uh, this in this case pause will succeed succeed and it will return control to you and uh, in this Situation: You can restart Postgres in background, and then say resume, and users notice only some spike in latency, and that's it. Kind of almost uh, zero downtime, minor upgrade or restart. Of course, it also helps. We shouldn't forget that it helps uh, with restart because restart can take a lot. Postgres restart can take a lot because of checkpoint. It's called shutdown checkpoint. If you tuned uh, your checkpoint, uh, for example, increased maximal size significantly. Shutdown checkpoint might take a lot of time, and uh, in this case, you should issue explicit checkpoint before you perform attempt to restart Postgres or shut it down. And in this case, it will be much faster. So, so because uh, shutdown checkpoint will have almost nothing to do because your explicit checkpoint already did something. So you need to engineer this anyway, right? Because it's, it's not easy to use in, in, under, in general case under load. But then you, after you start, you say resume, and that's it's, it's great. But also you can substitute Postgres node if your pitch bouncer is running on different node, or you can reroute it or something. It can be different Postgres major version. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I mean, I think I saw this as one of the main goals of the supervisor project is to be able to, I think for them, one of it's not so much about major version upgrades or even minor version upgrades. It was about changing the resources. So if you wanted to go, like if you wanted to increase CPU, like if you... I think a lot of these a lot of these providers have have done some clever stuff behind the scenes to to be able to resize disk or resize memory like you know different things but yeah it's like middleware isn't it it's like a it could almost be a little queue for a while even if it's only for a second or two right. um so yeah very clever right so summary the is the king but who knows what will happen next because we we see some candidates around with interesting ideas and implementations uh, mm -hmm. let's see it should be interesting competition last question because i know it's a quick one should this be in core of course <laughs> konstantin knizhnik uh, uh, is a guy who i know tried to implement it i remember i was reading very long threads but it's obviously very hard to convince people on details and also well, I, I think Postgres will have it right after threads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I that's like an it. Invent, uh, internal puller. That's it. But remember, if you implement it inside, you lose these uh, benefits of running it outside. Because this rerouting, for example, is a good uh, is a good reason to... like There are pros and cons uh, to run it on the same node, closer, very close to Postgres, or on a different node. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Awesome. Good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nikolai. I hope it was requested by users, and I hope it, it is interesting to someone. This was requested. Great. Next time my choice, I will work hard on choosing a new topic. Nice. Thank you. Take care, Bye. everyone. Bye.